Hey everyone, welcome back to Love, Life, and Everything in Between. We're so happy that you're joining us today for the topic of gender roles. So this is something that Maggie and I have wanted to speak to for a little while because we were just kind of discussing how certain stereotypes and certain gender roles that society has kind of put in place traditionally can be really harmful for everyone, not just, you know, for women, which is kind of what we were connecting on, but also for men and for any individual that feels like they're falling into a stereotype that doesn't fit them. So I'm really excited to dive in. I want to jump over and say, hey to Maggie. Hey, Maggie. Hey, Lindsay. How are hey. you feeling today? Good. How are you? Everything good? Yeah, doing good. Excited to be here. Yeah, me too. Um, this is this this is an interesting interesting topic on so many so many levels, and I think um, I know you've been around a lot of kids in your life, um, especially at one point because you were a nanny, mm -hmm. and and then and then you have like little family peeps in your life. But I think it's interesting to how we still do things, and I think first of all, let me preface by saying things are rapidly changing, which is amazing, and I think we're coming into a whole new awareness with so many things going on. But just like, I know that for me growing up and for, I don't know how it was for you, but we just put these labels starting at such a young age on little boys and little girls. And, what, and I still hear people say, oh, well, you know, she doesn't, she should like, she should like dolls. Uh, he should want tractors or trucks or, you know, or if, um, if a little boy likes uh, beautiful flowers or color or something, then that means that they're they're too feminine or whatever. And like I said, it's changing, but how do you feel about that? Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel like it's just awful, mainly because we are telling children who they are before they get to decide who they are. And I see this with my nephews all the time. One mm. of my um, favorite memories with my oldest nephew I have a one-year-old nephew, actually he just turned two. So I have a two-year-old nephew, a seven-year-old nephew and a nine-year-old nephew. And the oldest one came to me about a year and a half ago and was watching me put on makeup. And he said, Aunt Lindsay, what is that? And I said, oh, it's makeup. And he said, well, what is it? Why do you, what it, why are you putting it on? And I said, oh, just for fun, it, it makes me feel confident and I don't wear it every day, but it's just kind of fun to switch up my look sometimes. And I said, just like when you get a haircut, it makes you feel kind of different and you get to express yourself in that way. That's like makeup for me. And he was like, but Aunt Lindsay, what is it? And he just didn't understand. And I said, well, it's kind of like paint for your face and he loves art. And so he said, can I try some? And I was like, of course you can. So. I was like showing him just a little bit of like eyeshadow and I was just letting him touch it and feel it and, and play around with what makeup was. And he wanted to wear it around the house and he put it on and enjoyed it. But he was like, I feel like I look like a girl. And this is when he was maybe seven at the time. And it was just that moment where already he knew from being a seven-year-old that by having makeup on, it made him look like a woman because he's internalized that only women wear makeup, which isn't really true anymore. I think right. more people in general are accepting makeup 
every, I mean, everyone can wear it and it should be that way. And it's always been that way. But for him, he looked at me after that and he said, is it okay that I'm wearing this if I'm not a girl? And I said, of course it is. You get to experiment however you want. You know, makeup is something you put on your body, just like, you know, you could get face paint or, or you could have a fake tattoo, you know, that he gets at kids' birthday parties and stuff. And it doesn't change who you are. It just is something that's on your body, you know, and he loved it. And so he got to go around the house and everything. And I did have the thought where I was like, oh, you know, I hope that my brother and my sister-in-law don't mind that I allowed him to experiment and play with that. And he kept it on for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And by the end of it, he was like, I'm done. I don't want this on me anymore. And it was like, great. And it just wasn't a big deal. We never talked about it again, but it was kind of like a formative moment for me as an aunt and also for him to be able to tell him, you can be whoever you want to be. If you want to, if you want to experiment with this, go ahead, because what's the harm? And for him, he tried it. It was his first time and he didn't really like it. He discovered like, I don't like this on my face. I don't like this on my skin. I don't like the way I look. I want to look like and feel like himself. And that was foreign and new to him. And so that's kind of the approach Mm -hmm. I have with kids in general. And I felt pressure as a child to really like the color pink because I was a girl. Therefore I rejected pink my whole life. And now that I'm older, I realize how silly that is. And I'm, I love pink just because it's a beautiful color, but not because I have to like it or I should like it. And, um, there's so many ways in which this extends into our adult life. Um, but I'm curious to know, was there anything like that for you as a kid that you felt kind of pressured by that you've noticed? Yeah, well, yeah, no, because yes, no, my mom never, um, thankfully, was so open-minded and cool. And so we just, but I just kind of expanded into our own things. I happen to love, I love anything pink and sparkly. I just do. I, you know, I am a cisgender woman, but I just have always loved it since I was little. It's funny because my mom is not a pink person. She's not a... Um, Waffle. She's very. I mean, we are just so incredibly different on, on with fashion for sure. But uh, so that was just that just was my thing that came out. But she and she played along with it and abided it and let me do it. Um, I think the one thing probably that I felt pressure with is that as a as a little girl, what you you I didn't love dolls. I just mm. didn't love dolls. I didn't. I I never had a Barbie. Um. I didn't, I didn't didn't dislike, but I, I I mean, I just wanted like a light bright or, um, I didn't even have a, when that cat, that was the cabbage patch thing. I didn't have one Mm -hmm. of, I mean, that might've been a little bit, might've been, I might've been too old for that, but you know, I just was never into the doll thing. Like, 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 I I don't know, just, and, and then, and I didn't, and my, uh, I have a niece and she didn't, they kept trying to push the baby doll thing and this, oh, and then the, you know, the grandmother was like, yes, because you want to grow up and have babies someday. And I thought, you know, this is like three years old. And, and that, I think for me, that's a hot button yeah. is when people just automatically assume because you are a woman that the, that you will, you will get married. Your principal, your, first of all, no, your prince will ride in, mm-hmm. you will get married. You will have a huge white wedding. Um, then you will, because you don't have anything, not that being a mother is the greatest thing that could possibly ever happen to anyone. And I, I mean, I, I don't know because I don't have children, but, but I just don't like having that, that, that pressure that is put on women that automatically it, that you should become, you, you have to procreate, you know? Right. Yeah. And not only is that 
and it should be a very personal choice, but there's so much pressure that comes along with the type of life structure that it kind of requires to have children, you know, like there are a lot of things you have to think about when you have kids. And if that choice is taken away from you, you also buy into the, you know, the typical get married in your early twenties, you know, then you get a house with a white picket fence, you get a starter home, then you get a bigger home and you get a job promotion at work. And then your retirement's all set up. And it just, there's a system in place that works for some people, but you have to be able to choose it and you have to have the freedom to choose something else if that doesn't work for you. And I think so many of us have been brought up with those societal pressures that, I don't know, we just forget that we have a choice. And this was something that my partner, Sean and I were talking about the other day is that we were watching this movie and long story short, we got into a discussion about how men often around our age, which is in our late twenties, men, a lot of times when you want to have a conversation about marriage and him and I are not married, but we've been together for a few years, we live together, but there's this this um, assumption that men have commitment issues. And because men have been told for most of their lives, oh, the old ball and chain, or oh, when you get married, that's the end of fun. Like you're going to have to ask permission from your wife to do everything. And then when you have kids, say goodbye to like, you know, having a social life, all of these stories. But for women, we're told, oh, when you have children, that's going to be the most amazing experience of your life. And oh, you're getting married. Wow. Like no one asks, like, you know, even still when, you know, and people don't mean to, but sometimes when I'm visiting with friends I haven't seen for a while, they keep asking me questions about my relationship, but they're not asking me how my job is going. They're not asking how I am enjoying my life. They're kind of like, well, how are you and Sean doing? How are you and Sean doing? What plans do you guys have? How's the apartment? Have you tried any new recipes? Like, and I don't cook. I don't even really enjoy cooking. I'm trying, I'm trying to have fun with it and experiment with it. But Sean doesn't get asked those questions. It's how is work going? You know, yeah. how is your, how are your passion projects? He's a musician. How's your music going? And that always irks me. And I think I've said this on the podcast before, but so Sean and I were thinking about how interesting it is that that's why so many, again, this is a stereotype, but generally it's like men are the one with the commitment issues and women are the clingy ones that are trying to pressure their partner into getting engaged or getting married or having kids sooner or whatever. And it makes sense that that's a stereotype or a generalization is because that's a direct result of some of these gender roles that we believe that we have to fit into. And I don't personally subscribe to that and neither does Sean. And so we were just kind of having that discussion, but I agree with you that I think for women, there is a, a base level assumption that if you get married and if you have children, those are the two ideals to being a woman. And it's like, what even else is there for a woman? And for a long time, that was the assumption. You get married, you have kids, period. That's your life. And now I think we're going into a phase where I think that's changing. And I think women are saying, yeah. no, that's not mm -hmm. for me. And I think that that's incredible. But I think that in some ways that's happening for men as well where the more freedom women have to choose and to choose a different life. I think men have a different choice as well, where, you know, not all men need to be the breadwinners of their families or, you know, not all men, you know, have mm. to be the one to go to work. They can be a stay at home dad, or, I mean, there's so many, so many possibilities, infinite possibilities in between those two things, but 
it's really encouraging and I still think we have such a long way to go. We do. We do. There, but it's, it's, it's incredible. It's changing. It's, it's, it's mass. I think we're leaps and bounds and just hopefully keep moving forward. But I remember, yeah, you know, it was so cute. My little great grandmother, God bless her, God rest her. Um, and I remember her like, you know, literally like slaving over a hot stove and, um, she said, oh, she, she hoped that maybe I could be a flight attendant and stewardess. No, she didn't even stewardess. That's, I'm sorry. They, they, there was, you know, this was a while ago and that, so that I could get to travel and see the world. And, and I thought, ugh. so I ended up being a model and getting to travel and see the world and get paid very nicely for it. So, but that in her mind, it would have just been so like, that was all she like she thought that would be great that was really glamorous you know mm. and again there's nothing wrong with it it's fantastic but but it's just that, that 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 was how that was how she thought you know and i just think we put expansive or or we put limits on ourselves and on and like i said it's changing and growing but and as far as the pressure, yes, I think on men, and even still today, there are, there are stay-at-home dads. There are, and, there, and women that are you know, going out there, making tons of money, doing whatever, or just pursuing whatever their dream is. Um, but I think there's still a stigma around it. Yeah, you know? I think so too. And I think another really fascinating part of this, um, well, from my own personal experience, I've gone from working nine to five jobs and having desk jobs and trying to <clears throat> kind of do corporate stuff to being an actor. And that's not something that was a nine to five. It's definitely not corporate. It changes and evolves and shifts all the time. But there was a certain level, level of glamor to that, that when I said I was an actor, people would be like, there's two reactions like, oh, you're a starving artist or, oh, what, what famous movie have you been in? Like, what do I know you from? And it's like, well, I'm kind of in between those two things. I'm not a starving artist, but I'm also, I don't live in LA. I'm not really a film actor. I do theater. So it's not going to be the same, but there was a certain level of acceptance I felt from that job. So since COVID happened and since I've gone to coaching full time, it's been really <laughs> interesting to hear people's reaction. Now that things are opening up back, you know, again, and everyone's getting vaccinated. People keep asking me when I'm going back to work. And it's just funny because I own and run my own business. That is my job. And I'm not going back to a physical job because I'm doing my coaching now. And there's something about that inherently that people have a hard time understanding. And I don't think it's necessarily a gender role thing, um, but it's just that the work paradigm has shifted where now people can work from home or you know, more people are experimenting with online businesses and, and such. But one thing I work on with my clients as a sacred self coach is the balance of their masculine and feminine energies. And one of the reasons why it takes a lot of bravery to have an online business or to work from home is that you have to allow yourself to get out of the hustle and grind mentality. So many of us also have this ingrained belief that the harder you work, the more money you make. Like money doesn't grow on trees. You better be grateful for every opportunity you get, especially for people out of college. They're like, say yes to everything, take every opportunity. And some of these things, it's like, there's wisdom in that. And there's a lot of toxicity because for me, it, it has this belief that I have to work very hard, almost to the point of burnout 
in order to make a wage. And I'm shifting away from that and I'm more going towards how can I live a comfortable, happy, joyful, fulfilled life and be able to support myself and make an income. And that's the more feminine energy way of existing instead of this masculine kind of flow. And on the spiritual side of things, people are saying that we are shifting into this new age of feminine leadership where we're stepping away from like the toxic masculine energy and stepping into more mm. of a balanced divine masculine, divine feminine energy. Um, and it's just, we're going to get healthier with work boundaries. And that's like a whole thing too, with kind of internalized capitalism and our need to be productive all the time and feeling guilty if we're not working. Um, but I think a lot of that kind of goes hand in hand with those gender roles as far as, you know, being a stay at home mom isn't really a job. Mm. And it's like, yes, it is. You are taking care of a home and you are raising children and having a life. And that goes the same for stay at home dads. You know, it's yeah. just, it's just one of those things where if you're not physically going to work, you are not worthy, I guess, of something of acceptance of money of support. It's, it's very toxic. And I feel like, I don't know, those things kind of go hand in hand in some ways. Yeah, I, I I would, and I think there's again, and and we we label masculine and feminine, and we all are a combination of different inner. It's a it's a it's a balance thing, yes, and it's like, that yin yang you know, energy. Yes, and and when it's in balance, it's a, it's a great thing, and when it, and that's why, you know, um, it, it's you can you can dress it up or dress it down, but in, it's got to be internal. And I, I, I think that we still have, yeah, like a lot of societal pressure on men and women um, to, like you said, just, just, just pressure to perform, to be, you know, but I definitely still think that it's, that a lot of men feel that it's all on them to you know, like you say, bring home the bacon or all these catchphrases that we use, you know? Yeah. And just to think about how harmful that can be, that, that pressure, that stigma, you know, it's, it is, it's so much pressure that can really affect someone's mental state. It almost reminds me of, um, it reminds me of of course, I just forgot the name of it, but it's like the classic, like American dream um, play. What is it called? I don't know. I'll have to cut this part out in a second, but <clears throat> what is that play called? Why did I just forget what the heck it's called? Hold on, I gotta Google it. <laughs> it's gonna drive me crazy. It's like the most classic American, American dream contemporary play what is that called I'm gonna have to let it go in a second this is gonna drive me so insane can you not find it death <clears throat> of a salesman oh yeah death of a salesman anyway Yeah, this is totally what I'm thinking of. Okay, continuing. 
It totally reminds me of, this is like the after coming out with me, but it reminds me of the play Death of a Salesman. And there's this main character, his name is Willie Loman. <clears throat> and the play is a tragedy, but it's kind of about the pressure that this man feels to provide for his family. And it's during the 1950s and the wife is staying at home, taking care of the house. She's not working, but you know, they have a standard American home. But then a new, you know, the dishwasher got invented. So they need one of those and they need a brand new refrigerator. And then they need the white picket fence to keep up the appearance of perfection and to keep up this idea and this facade of being well off. But all of the pressure fell on him to bring in the money and there was a recession and he couldn't provide. And anyway, everyone should go read the play because it perfectly outlines this, but the mental illness, the depression, the struggle that this man went through in the pursuit of success monetarily and feeling that pressure to provide for his family, it ended up ruining his family's life. And it's so sad, but I feel like that's, that is kind of a play that was written about this idea of what could happen almost as a warning of what could happen if we keep putting this pressure on men mm. and not expanding the household of like women can go to work too, or your children can also, you know, work if they're obviously an appropriate age. Um, and I just think it's, it's so, it's so toxic. It's so toxic. It is toxic or, or putting, putting pressure on, on young people to to say, Oh, well, you should be this, or you should be that, or you can't be um, a, like, I don't know I'm a, how I'm trying to phrase this, but, but, uh, oh, I, well, no, I'll tell you another thing. Uh, uh, so a lot of little girls get pressed into that being a, a ballerina or trying to be, and they right. don't want to do it. I have a friend and she, and she's just like, she just has no interest in doing it. And, um, but, but they force them to do it because you're supposed to little girl, you're supposed to like, you're supposed to like ballet when you're in, Listen, one of I have a dear friend that's a beautiful prima ballerina, and um, and she happens to be great at it. And her husband is also a ballet professional, so it's super cool, you know. Um, that's amazing. But I just think we shouldn't, you know, like you know, girls can be you can be an astronaut, you can be whatever. President. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So again, I think we're coming a really long way. Certainly, I know from when the time I was little, and probably even when you were too, yeah, especially absolutely. coming from the, you know, you, you, you know, we're both actually kind of, I guess, Midwest, you, you would be Midwest, and I'm really yeah. not, I'm not deep South, but it's definitely Southern traditional, um, you know, values, and um, it's, it's, it just is. I mean, yeah, I think that that's kind of the main takeaway for me and the main point that I, or the main stance I have on gender roles is I think gender roles are ultimately very damaging to everyone, but it starts when we're very young and very little, because I think it tries to tell people who they should be. And I feel like everyone should have the freedom to choose who they are without ridicule, without the pressure to be something else. 
And I feel like gender roles are just one of the ways that <laughs> the world and society tries to keep people in a box and make sure that they're quote unquote following the rules. You know, like, are you being a good little girl? Are you doing all the things a good little girl should do? And for boys, it's the same thing. You know, are you being, are you being a gentleman? Um, are you, you know, living up to your fullest potential and what happens when you don't fall in one of those boxes? We end up well, internalizing that and feel like we're not good enough or something's wrong with us. And that's just not true. It's just not true. And we're also, I, I was laughing. I think I heard, I don't know the comedian, but it's, we're still in this place where if a man or a boy um, is, is um, I don't know, let's just say dating or having tons of sex or whatever, that's cool. That makes him, that's cool. But if it's a woman, you're a slut or a whore. Yes. Oh my gosh. And that's, that is one of the double standards in our society that makes no sense to me. But again, I think it's really damaging for men and for women. Like it, obviously I identify as a cisgendered woman. So for me, I can speak to that side of it, which it infuriates me that women are judged in a different way than men are just by their promiscuity. But for men as well, I've talked to many of my guy friends and even my partner, Sean, you know, we've had so many conversations about how the idea that you need to sleep with a lot of women in order to be cool or sleep with a lot of whoever, have a lot of partners, you know, right. to be cool <clears throat> is also so detrimental. Cause what if you don't want to, what if that doesn't feel good for you? You feel like you're, you know, again, quote unquote, a loser or a not cool or a nerd or a geek or any of the other horrible names and, and slurs people throw <clears throat> out. But it, again, is a standard for no matter who you are, no matter how you identify, these are standards that allow you to be judged. And it's just ridiculous. And it's so, so awful. And I think particularly to, you know, for young adults who are just starting to have sex, even for children when you're learning about puberty and everything else. And I mean, it's, it's damaging for everyone, adults too, but especially during that time where most people are starting to experiment with sex for the first time these things can get so deeply ingrained that it can truly affect your relationships for the rest of your life and the way that you see yourself. And that's another reason why there's a whole nother episode for another time. But that's the part for me that we all have these things within us because of society. And the older we get, I really feel like it's our duty and our responsibility to do healing around these beliefs. That's why I'm a huge advocate for therapy and I, and I love it. Um, but all other forms of modality, healing modalities as well, whether it's energy healing or um, whatever it is for you, but kind of doing that deep dive and un un unwriting those beliefs you have about yourself and how you're not good enough, that's when you can kind of embrace fully who you are. And ultimately you have to take the responsibility in order to do that healing because no one else can do it for you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it is, it is hard with, with the societal, that we're, we're still, we're still we're not there yet. We're getting there. Yeah. But, and that's, um, <clears throat> you know, like, like you, like you said, it, it is still very, and again, I'm speaking as a cisgender woman. So that is just my, this is just my position that I'm coming from. So not to 
single out or not acknowledge any anything else, but just from this is my viewpoint, there there still are very big um, stereotypes and differences. Like I like I hate it the you know I hate it when people say like oh well boys will be boys. Well no no maybe the boys should tr you know try and be grow up and be a man and uh, be a, or whatever, but that's just not an acceptable uh, phrase to use about bad behavior. Completely agree. I completely agree. That's like, it's like, this is a dramatic, um, <laughs> a dramatic kind of example, but that's the same thing as saying like, you know, oh, uh, a liar is a liar or like a murderer is a murderer. It just doesn't make any sense with boys will be boys. It, it, that doesn't cover bad behavior. It's not like girls do something wrong and then you also hear girls will be girls or kids will be kids or, you know, uh, adults will be adults. It just, it, it doesn't make any sense. The entire phrase is just kind of moot. It just doesn't mean anything. But for whatever reason, that has been accepted as a valid excuse to let bad behavior, to not take responsibility for bad behavior, more or less. Um, so I agree. And that's like another one. I think, thank you for sharing that. And I think that's a great example of one of those kind of gender roles or kind of um, generalized stereotypes that is just does more harm than good to others. Yeah. Well, and I think that, I think that the one takeaway about all this is, um, you know what, you're, you, <laughs> we were talking about this earlier, you're allowed to have an opinion or a thought, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to voice it. And uh, I think it's, um, again, you, you know, yeah, you can keep it in your head. You don't necessarily have to talk about it with everyone or say to a, especially a person you don't know. And like, that's the thing back to the woman thing, I think with them, when you were talking about, well, people are like, well, how is, how's everything going? But how, how are you and Sean, but not how's your job, Lindsay? What, is, what are you doing, you know? It's like, mm -hmm. I, and I still think it's like, oh, well, the, the man's job is always more important, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think especially when Sean and I are together and we're sitting next to each other and someone is talking to us as a couple, it's interesting what questions they direct at me and which questions they direct at Sean. So, you know, I already mentioned this, but they'll ask him about his job, but they'll ask me about what new recipes I've been trying. And it's like, you mean what new recipes has he been trying because he also cooks or what recipes we have been trying? Like, why is that aimed at, at me? Especially when it's with people that know that I don't, don't cook or, you know, it's just, it's, it's just interesting and very, um, I'm curious. Now are these, uh, this is interesting to me too, because are these people that are your, in your and Sean's age bracket? No, I'd say okay. most of the time when I'm getting these questions, they're from, you know, people that are more like my parents' age or even yeah. my siblings' age mm -hmm. who are, they're in their early forties, which is not much older than me, you know? And, but yeah, there, there are still people my age, but I would say that the, the, the people that would ask us those kind of questions are people that don't know us very well, yeah. which makes sense, but they're operating from their level of comfort and they're asking what they think they should be asking that would keep the status quo mm -hmm comfy. And I respect that. And I understand that. And it doesn't, you know, ruffle my feathers. I don't judge other people for what they want to talk about with, you know, with me or ask me. And I'm appreciative that they're asking me anything at all. And 
I still notice that that's so deeply ingrained that no one takes a second to be like, oh, why did I direct that at her instead of him? Or why well, would I not ask about her job and I'd ask about his? But again, I think the other thing that's important to remember too, when we're talking about, like I said, we've come so far and things are so different now, but when you're dealing with people that are, and I'm not saying age is a number and you can, and you should continue growing and evolving at any age, but there are some people and we all have them that are completely stuck in what they believe in. And typically I've, you know, just like we, like I said, we all know them and um, it's what they, it's what they know. So that's their reality. And that's what they think is right. And then they project that onto you and you're probably, unless they're super evolved, not going to change them. Um, and again, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but but totally. it's just, th th that's the way they grew up. That's their safety zone. That's their comfort zone. And they just don't get it, you know? Right. Well, and that's where I think too, we all know this by now, I think it's kind of like a cliched saying, but <clears throat> when someone else reacts negatively to one of your life choices that has nothing to do with that person it's a reflection of how they feel about themselves. So when someone places a judgment on you, it's a reflection of how they feel about themselves. And we can respect that, but that shows me where a boundary would lie for me. It is that if someone wants to judge me and wants to spend their energy getting emotionally kerfuffled by my life, then I know that I have an energetic boundary to place there where I'm like, you know, especially it's hard when it's a close friend or a family member or something like that, but you can actually speak to them about it and set a verbal boundary or in your own mind, you can say, you know what, I'm going to protect my energy and I don't need to take their opinion into consideration. I don't need to take their judgment and internalize that. I acknowledge that that's how they feel about themselves and I see them through a lens of compassion. I understand that they are not as evolved as I am and my choices would not work for them. I got that message loud and clear. And I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing because it feels right and good for me and it's my truth. So I'm not gonna let that steer me off my path, but obviously that's easier said than done and that's, that's the higher self approach to these things. Um, yeah, that's but, a whole, that's a, that's a whole thing in and of itself. I, I but know. I mean, but like, like you said, I think things are changing so much now. And especially with all the, um, ex what am I talking So much going on in the world as far as now, uh, open, uh, what a gender identity or changing all that is really kind of starting to happen. Um, and there's so much out there in the press about it and so much content in, 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 in shows and films and theater and uh, that's bringing awareness to that. So hopefully we're on the right path with that and we can just treat people like individuals and just people, whatever they choose to or however they choose to identify or express or be as long as there just involves a lot of kindness, that's what we need. Yes, absolutely. Kindness and compassion. And that's, that's, that's where these gender roles get tricky is that there are beliefs that are so instilled in us from such a young age that we forget <clears throat> to view people with kindness and compassion. And instead we view them based on these standards that we don't even really know where they came from. There's something that someone else told us to believe and we adopted them and we all have these things. And I think that this trickles into you know, like we've been mentioning, like sexism, racism, Labels. ableism, all of the isms, 
it's these beliefs, whether you choose to have them or not, we have them. And it's our responsibility to look through those beliefs and very carefully choose which ones we are going to take with us and which ones we are going to heal and work through and leave behind in order to live a more kind and compassionate world and to accept others as who they are and who they want to be. Um, so I think on that note, that is a wonderful place to wrap up. And yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned kindness and compassion because that's my favorite way to, to leave off is with, with that energy and that um, yes. kind of North Star to just guide you. Excellent. I love it. Yeah. So I thought it might be fun actually to wrap up today. I know we usually like to end with a quote or kind of like an empowering question for everyone. But I actually have a question for you, Maggie, and it's just for fun, just to get to know you a little bit. And what I want to know is, what is your favorite food? Oh, okay. I like the levity of that. Um, oh my gosh. That's a tough question because I love to cook so much and um, I love so many things. But let's say if I have to, if I have to pick one thing, um, um, I would say a really delicious Italian pasta. Yes. Yeah, which, I, you know, we don't do often, but it's good when you do. Yes, I relate to that so much. What's mm. yours? You know, I think mine would have to be, I mean, pasta is way up there, but since you said pasta, probably pizza. I um, really, I really good. I love a good slice of pizza, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, now that we're talking about food, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. My, my stomach is growling. I'm definitely ready to eat. So I hope that, I hope that you get to um, indulge in something wonderful today and everyone that's listening, go get yourself a slice of pizza if you enjoy that, or maybe some pasta or whatever else sounds good to you. And thank you so much for, for being here and allowing Maggie and I into your space and we will see you all next week. See y'all soon.